Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Simon is preaching to us this morning. I'm super excited. And if you remember what I said at the beginning, today is going to be an extraordinary day. If you can take hold of what he's got to say, this could change your life. This could be a really extraordinary 30 minutes. So can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you for this elder in our church. I thank you for the word that you have given him. I pray that anything of him will fall to the floor and everything of you will germinate in people's hearts and spirits. It will go down deep, that people will receive revelation that will go out of this place knowing that they've caught something of your spirit and there's something in their lives that they know they want to make better. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Morning. Up the others. So the Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. So as we were worshipping over there, I was worshipping the king, but I was also calling down my pits a little bit. Anybody else guilty of that? The fans just blowing and I was like, oh, this feels so good. But you are good, Lord. <laughs> just me then. So it's a hot day. We all know that. Get that out of the way. So what I'm going to do, this is a 20 to 25 minute message for that reason. So I'm going to hit you with the word of God. We're going to all be impacted. Um, And if you're anything like me, Richard's cooking is making me think about the Sunday roast after this. Can't wait for that. So I'm preaching this morning on a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. The Bible says uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, but I wanted to... uh, Let you ladies know that it's for all of us. So we all know people in our lives that are all over the place. Yeah, they're up one day and down the next. They're on to one thing one day and they're moving on the next, no matter what it be. I know a few people in my life that are obsessed with finding the next big thing. And then, you know... then they're on to the next thing the next day. And it's like they'd sell the families just to get that next buzz, that next exciting thing. Personally, I believe that they're all searching for purpose. Searching and seeking for the meaning of life. It's like they're in this constant midlife crisis paradigm. The more they strive in their own strength, pursuing the things that they think will make them happy, the worst state that they end up in as they're always left unfulfilled. And I'm saying we all know a person, but there was been a bit of a time in all of our lives where we've all been a little bit like this, including me. You know, as I was prepping for this preach, I was thinking, wow, flipping heck, I'm double-minded in some areas of my life. I really need to get this sorted. But this in itself is double-mindedness, always changing their mind, never settling for anything of purpose or meaning. I know this very well because there's a certain person in my life that I have to be around on a daily basis, and they're just like this. And for, the, for, the, for intentional illustration purposes only, let's call him Steve. Not you, Steve. It's not you. It's just a code name. Sarah came up with that. She said, just call him Steve. I went, okay, Steve it is. The wisdom of this woman. 
This person thinks that they are adventurous and daring and spontaneous. All labels that make this kind of double-minded behavior seem justifiable and positive. But it's extremely clear to see that he is a double-minded man and very unstable in all of his ways. So, let's get down to the Word of God. In the book of James, it tells us about trials and temptations. In James 1, verse 2 to 12. <clears throat> now, I'm going to be focusing on, on a few of these scriptures in between 2 to 12. But I'm going to read the whole thing now, just to give it a bit of context. Got to wet the whistle, haven't we? <laughs> Verse 2. It says, consider... I don't know what you're laughing at. I just took a drink. <clears throat> Sorry? It is massive. It's crazy. John P. prayed over me on Tuesday. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? He says, you've got authority to be yourself. So that's exactly what I'm being. Just about to bust out in some scripture, but you've got to wet the whistle first. So, in fact, this just here. This is what Stacey Solomon said. Sarah learned about it. Fill this up halfway with water and juice... Put it in the freezer, get it out the next day, and then put water in it, and then you've got a cold drink for the rest of the day. There you go. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It then goes on to say, get that keyboard out of the way. It goes on to say, it says, this person, um, yeah, but if, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. <clears throat> Verse 7 says, The person, that person, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Verse 12. I love this one. This is my favorite thing. He brought into land perfectly. He said, blessed is the one that perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I love that. So that's just to give you a bit of a, a breakdown and some context on what I'm going to be going into today. So I want to give us seven characteristics of a double-minded person. Now, as I'm going through this, we all tick some of these boxes. And this will resonate with absolutely every single person in this room. But the great news is about double-mindedness. There's a solution which I'll dive into later on. So here is the seven characteristics of a double-minded person. Number one, they say one thing and they do another. They tell you that they're going to be doing one thing and end up doing something that's the total opposite. If 
anything else. They don't actually achieve anything. So they get nothing done. Number two, they are indecisive all of the time. They have the ability to make decisions. They don't have the ability to make decisions or think clearly or positively. Now, we're all indecisive at different parts of our life. We are. We can all be guilty of that. Sometimes if I'm in McDonald's, I'm thinking I don't want a cheeseburger, I don't want a Big Mac, I want a, a sort of large fries or medium fries, a milkshake, a McFlurry. I don't know. I get indecisive with lots of choices. The Bible's not talking about that. There's a common theme with a double-minded person, and it's they are consistently double-minded because they cannot make a decision due to indecisiveness. Number three, and this is a quite an important one, they move jobs often. They can't hold down relationships. This is where it really gets personal because you start thinking of either someone you know or something in your heart and you start thinking, wow, they can't stay planted in a church. They don't stay in a marriage. Their character lacks consistency and they don't stick to things. The reason why I want to camp on this bit just here is because you might have been on a journey. You might be on a journey. You might even be thinking about leaving. This double-mindedness appeals to us all. And God doesn't want, want us to be here. So there's so many people that are leaving churches. If you're watching online, you might be currently going to one of the other churches in Nottingham, Trinity or Heart Church or wherever you're going. It's just to name a few. And you might be thinking about leaving. But the thing is, leaving churches and not being planted under good, healthy, spiritual leadership is like leaving a job. You think that you're leaving a job, but it's the same rubbish that you're thinking and going through, but different logo on your T-shirt. And the, the same way that you're leaving churches and not planted is the same way that you're going to enter another one. The Bible says that how we leave one place is how we enter another, whether it blessed or whether it cursed. It doesn't mean that we're cursed, but if you're not under the blessing of God, if you're not under spiritual leadership that's healthy and strong, then you're not in a good place. So I just want to put that there. Stay planted. Don't be double-minded. Stay planted under healthy Leadership, and I'll move on to that a little bit later. Number four, it says they seek man's approval and God's approval equally. They're people pleasers, they fit into every group that they're part of. <clears throat> you may say, What's wrong with that, Simon? It's good to fit in. Don't know about that one. They fit into every group that they're part of. You see, there needs to be groups of friends and associates that you feel uncomfortable with because that's the God in you. You know what I'm talking about? Those relationships that you're in. Getting a few nods in the room, that's good. You've not got to fit into every situation. There also needs to be an element where people feel uncomfortable about being around you. I've had this recently with a good friend of mine. And the reason why they feel uncomfortable is because of your spirituality and your maturity in that. I've had this, they felt uncomfortable around me, and I was scratching my head thinking, what? where's this relationship gone? Like, we used to be really good mates, and now it's just weird. It's because I've grown. They're not in church. They have been in church, but they're not in church now, and it, we don't gel the way we used to. In my head, I'm just, it's just normal. I know where they're at. But with the person that I've become over the last two years, I've, I've dedicated myself to, to growing spiritually, and it just doesn't work anymore, and they feel uncomfortable. Now, I'm thinking, is it me? Have I done something wrong? Do I need to do something else? Do I need to change? But the wisdom, because I've become more, I've got a long way to go, believe you me. 
But because I've become more spiritually mature as the years have gone on, God's given me thicker skin. I'm able to go, well, if you, if you, if you don't want to hang around with me, if I do make you feel uncomfortable, then I've done my bit. I've sown into you. Um, and all I can do is pray for you. But the thing is, God does give us thicker skins for these kind of situations. And don't forget that thicker skin can also be known as wisdom, how we perceive situations. So if people attack us or people make us feel uncomfortable on purpose or we don't quite fit where we used to, let's perceive it with wisdom. That can be thicker skin. That can be not letting things bother you like it used to. And we can see with a different perspective the same situation but differently now. So thicker skin, I believe, is wisdom. It's not just thinking, well, I don't care what anybody says about me. We all care what people think about us, and we all want to fit in. But the more spiritually mature and the more in God that you get, the more this is going to happen. But the great news is God does purge people out of your life. God does trim the vine and the bushes, etc. He does trim the people out of your life, but he also replaces them with good relationships. I don't think I've ever been so rich in relationships right now with this part of my life with people around me that love me, appreciate me, etc. And I mean you guys in that. Um, So God does replace them. Number five is they hate face-to-face confrontation. Double-minded people hate face-to-face confrontation, but love to talk about other people behind the backs. If someone is comfortable about talking about other people behind the backs to you, and what do you think they're doing about you when you've walked away? Don't be a gossip, Simon. Preaching to myself, I'm not preaching at you. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a double-minded person. That's one thing I like to do as I'm preaching. I always like you guys to know that I'm preaching more to myself than I am anybody. Number six is they get excited quickly. And fizzle out even quicker. They went up like a rocket and they landed like a meteorite. They're on fire for Jesus one minute, telling everybody about the ministry and what they're going to do and how they're going to change the world and there's some plans and dreams. And now you can't find them with a pack of bloodhounds and an FBI agent. They're gone. You know what I'm talking about, whether it's been you or whether you know somebody. And number seven, this is a bonus one. They talk about faith but live in doubt. As stated in James 1 verse 6, it says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now here's a curveball. And this is something, as I was going over my message uh, this morning, that Sarah says, She was in the shower and she says, I've been thinking while I'm in the shower. (laughs) You get all the glory you do. She says, people are going to be sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's my, I can't, I can't keep up that accent. That's my uncle John. That's, that's my husband. That's my wife. And you're all sitting there thinking, yeah, double-minded people. That's everyone. But the thing is, God's wanting us to evaluate ourselves. That's the thing. Let's not sit here. Because one thing that she did say, and I was like, flipping out, the anointing strong coming through you. She says, We have not got license to sit there and judge people. That's God's job. Well done, babe. Massive. This is time where we sit here and we evaluate ourselves and our own heart. Because remember, in Matthew 7 verse 3, it says, 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the three by two in your own eye? Simon paraphrase. So let's become, so let's look how we can become more spiritually mature and not fall into the pattern of being a double-minded person. It's evident to see that a double-minded person is flaky. They fall at the first hurdle and give up. They move on to the next fix in life. But the Bible is massively clear about how God wants us to grow in spiritual stature. Because don't forget that spiritual stature, spiritual perseverance, spiritual maturity goes on forever. It lives forever in eternity. This is training ground. This is all the treasures that we're, we're getting in our characters now for when we enter heaven. And then that's when it actually begins. Because this, this bit when we're alive, it's, it's only a small, tiny bit. Eternity is forever. So God's working and using different things in our lives. Let's have a bit of perspective on this. He's using um, hardships, difficult times in our life. He's using all of this not to hurt us, not to, although we're hurt temporarily. It's to grow us. It's so that we can mature and it's so that we can deal with the mundane things in life and, and deal with the bad things in life better. That's why I was talking about thicker skin earlier on. You get thicker skin as you get older. You get more long in the tooth. You can deal with things a lot better. It's because God's blessed us with wisdom. We now know when we face certain situations that have crippled us before, we can deal with them a lot better. And that's God's will for our life. Isn't that exciting? Every bad thing that's going on in your life right now, believe you me, God is at work. 110%. You see, you name me one person who is successful and one person that you admire that's not been through the mill. I wouldn't be the person I am today if it weren't for the suffering and the hardships in my life. They have been the worst thing and the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm not on about my cancer journey. That's old news now. I'm on about everyday life, like, you know, having to deal with a Jekyll and Hyde boss that I have to submit to every day in my work life. You know, that you think, this guy is a muppet. He's insecure, he's not leading correctly, he's just, you know, and we've, we're, some of us are still there, some of us have been through that, and it's getting over the fact that, although you might think in the flesh that he's a muppet, God is doing something. God is, is forming you in that difficult situation. I never thought that I could end up leaving my nine to five. I never thought that I could get out of that thing that was oppressing me and, and really difficult for me each and every day, because my boss... I've had a few bosses that have been very difficult, but it's, it's in those times when God is doing a massive, massive work. You know, you know what I'm talking about. The sandpaper people in your life that God allows into your life to smooth those rough edges in our characters. You know, we want to give up in these situations, and we, I'm guilty of this. I pray these submissive prayers. Oh, Lord, take it away, please. Lord, just, oh, just take it away. Oh, I pray that you deliver me from this evil. What, because your boss is being a bit difficult? I've prayed some real weak prayers in the past. You know, God is more interested in how we react in these scenarios um, to allow our spiritual maturity to rise up in times. As it says in James 1, verse 3 to 4, it says, Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Number four, it says, Let perseverance finish it's work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's clear as day to see that 
God is doing something. Let perseverance, because that's what you've got to do in these hard situations. You've got to persevere. You might be suffering with illness right now. You might be dealing with a bad relationship or going through a divorce. All these bad things in your life, God, it wasn't God's intention for you to go through anything bad, but it's life. And he's using everything that the enemy is chucking at you, and he's using it for good. Because the big picture in all of this is God is at work, and he will always replace the years that the locusts have eaten. If we do lack in those difficult times, or feel like we are, like when we're struggling emotionally because we've been told we've just lost our job. Or maybe we're in debt due to some bad decisions. Maybe we're being bullied or oppressed at this moment in time. Or find ourselves going through a divorce. Or you're mentally ill. God is in this. God is working through this. Now, but the thing is that I want to really touch on today is, let's be real, unless that you are clinically mentally ill, Stress and anxiety come when we're faced with things that our emotional capacities aren't geared up for in our flesh. We're in above our heads. <clears throat> we're not quite, we feel, or, or so we feel, we, don't, we feel like we're not quite equipped to deal with the challenges that we face day by day. So we panic, we get stressed, we get anxious, and we pray for God to take it away like I talked about. Whereas God wants us to respond with resilience and strength, but most of all, wisdom. That's why he tells us. He says in James 5, he says, if any of you lack wisdom. And you know what I'm talking about. So you're going through some really tough times in life. Life's not all doom and gloom, but you're guaranteed that you're having a good week. It's Monday, it's Tuesday. You're just in the ground running. You're starting to really get some traction down that runway. And then something on Wednesday comes and trips you up and you think, Why? Why, this was going so well. Well, the Bible tells us in that moment, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. It doesn't mean that God's going to withheld it for a few months and think, you know what? I'm going to let you suffer a little bit more. I'm going I'm I'm to drag this bad boy out just so it teaches you a lesson. That's not the way God works. It says that he will give generously without finding fault and it shall be given to you because because we believe in Jesus because we are in Christ we've got license to ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ the Bible tells us that we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus Romans 8 verse 37 I always back it up with scripture so you don't think it's Simon Taylor's opinion it says it in the word of God know in all things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we get from this that God wants us to be successful in single-mindedness and not double-mindedness. You see, it's the lack of faith that God is not going to come through in any given situation that causes double-mindedness. God wants us to be single-minded and full of faith. Therefore, he wants us to operate in wisdom and faith. Imagine a life filled with faith and wisdom. It'd be a lot easier than trying to do it all in your own strength and trying to fumble your way. Instead, most of us walk around emotional, not knowing whether we're coming or going, and double-minded. It's so easy to fall into this pattern. You see, when we go through tough times, we tend to get distracted by the alternative reality of what if. 
What if God doesn't come through? What if he won't provide? What if he doesn't give me the right measure of wisdom for this situation? I understand what Simon was saying on Sunday, but what if he doesn't? We're all guilty of that double-mindedness. I am. Sometimes I doubt and I think, what, why am I dying? And then when you come through something and you see the magnificent, magnificent thing that God's done, you think, wow, why didn't I just believe him? He's never let me down. We sang about that this morning. He's never. That bit where he goes, he won't. He won't. He won't. Dare. I don't know the rest of the words, but we sang it passionately. I'm going to move on to that in a bit. We come to church on a Sunday and we sing our hearts out, but do we truly believe it? Life's tough when you're entertaining two, two, two avenues, when you're chasing two rabbits and your heart and your mind have not made the same decision and they're contrasting against each other. You were born to be single-mindedness, not living with two minds. Wisdom comes from taking the action. That's why trials and tribulations are great training grounds. And exercise, and to exercise our faith. And God loves it as we grow. God wants us this morning, as I was prepping this, he wanted me to say that he wants you to make a decision. Whatever that means to you, he wants you to make a decision. Some of us are fumbling, thinking, oh, I don't know whether to go there, I don't know whether to go there. He wants you to make a decision. God wants us to make single-minded decisions. Remember, we only make decisions on our current level of emotional intelligence and maturity and our knowledge base. So when we have opportunities to operate in faith, we need to take the relevant action. This is when God will pour out his abundant wisdom. What does abundant mean? It means overflowing. It means it never runs out. He will give you every bit of wisdom. And let's remember, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but wisdom is the understanding of how to use that knowledge. I know so many older men that are so knowledgeable. They can sit and watch Countdown and get all the answers right. But flipping their lives are a mess. Wisdom, godly wisdom is the understanding of knowing how to use that knowledge. One thing I know is that God meets us in the doing. He can only steer a moving vehicle. Again, he needs us to be single-minded and make decisions with faith and wisdom. James says in James 1, 6 to 8, he says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown around and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. The only way to please God is faith. You've got to believe him at his word. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in everything that they do. Don't be crippled by your what-ifs, please, people. Don't be crippled by your what-ifs, Simon. You learn in the doing. Just like Peter when he got out of the boat. Jesus spoke, Peter listened and took action. He didn't think about the science of what would happen if he got out of the boat. He just did it and learnt in the action. Yes, he had his darts and that's when he started to fail. But he still got out of the boat, dived straight in. And then Jesus grabbed him. How did Jesus react when he did what he said and then started to sink? He says, come on, daft lad. Ye of little faith, get up. Have faith. And he rescued him. Peter was a lad, wasn't he? He wasn't scared. He just did it. Your one decision, your one single mind. Here's one for you. This is, this is a revelation that God said to me. He says, you're one single-minded decision away from receiving your breakthrough today. Massive. Massive. So if the band want to come up, that would be great. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring it into land with five steps to take into our daily lives to help us conquer 
double-mindedness in our lives to be faith-filled, single-minded people of God. Number one is stop trying to be like everybody else and people-pleasing. It's okay to be different. It's okay for people to mock you for what you stand for. It's okay to go the opposite way to your family and friends. I did. They all laughed at me. They thought I was hilarious. But now they come to me for godly wisdom and advice. Last night, my sister um, said to me, she says, oh, my boyfriend's grandma's in hospital and, you know, it's all the family has got. Andrew said, will you pray for him? I'm like, straight on that, straight on that. And that's what happens. Years ago, they laughed. And now they're coming to me to ask to pray because they know that this truth and what we stand for. It's always hard to go against the grain, but when you're in the plan and purpose and will of God, how can we go wrong? Number two, be completely clear and decisive on what God says and thinks about you. It's massive. It's massive. This will help you in the clarity of your decisions that you make for your own life knowing what God thinks about you. You're a champion. You're an overcomer. You're healed. You're a blessed child of God. You're the apple of his eye. That's what he thinks about you. So as you're walking into this week and you're going through your tough times like we all do, know that you are a champion. Know that you are saved and you are born on purpose for a purpose. That's who we are as children of God. Number three, stay committed. That's what I was talking about, about being planted in anything that you do. Don't give up. Don't be a person who chases the shiny penny, the shiny shiny penny syndrome, wants to go from one thing to the next. And um, the worship sounds better in that church and I'm going to get paid a dime more on that job, you know. Be committed. Stay committed. Stay planted and have strong spiritual foundations. I've heard people say, you know, I believe in God, but I don't know. I don't need to attend the church. That really bugs me, that does. I'm like, you're flipping, having a laugh. That's not wisdom of God. It doesn't take two guesses to understand where they are in their walk with God if they're not planted in a church. Being around a strong body of believers in Christ is probably one of the best gifts that you could ever give yourself because the ROI, the return on investment is infinite. <laughs> one of the things, Tryon, where are you? My good mate, Tryon, he got baptised years ago. He got baptised years ago at T Street. He came to church, he loved it, got baptised, he believed and got baptised and he was out of church for years. He believed in God. He knew who Jesus was, but he wasn't in a church. Since that man has been in this church, how long have you been in this church now? Yeah, so since he came back and was in this church, this man has grown spiritually, massively. His morals, the way he acts... He doesn't swear anymore. He lives a good life. He's a good husband. He's a good father. And that's because he's around strong spiritual people. Cherish your church family. Cherish the church that you're in because it's so important. You don't know how blessed you are to be in a good church. Whether you're watching online and you're part of a different church or whether you're part of this church. If you're in the body of Christ, if you're in God's church, you are a blessed person. We've got mentors spiritual leadership groups got got guys on the group giving their time and life away to to pour back into you some of these groups sound absolutely phenomenal i think i'm going to go on the prayer group just to 
um, help me pray better and, and, and grow in knowledge and wisdom. Always trying to put things out there so people can grow spiritually because that is where the big return on investment comes. Number four is be full of faith and lose the doubt. I know you're probably saying, Simon, it's easier said than done, but God never lies, which means it's true. If he says who we are, it's true. And believe, you know, if we believe the songs that we sing and we raise our hands, you know, and we believe what we preach, and I'm preaching now, we believe what we preach, then being single-minded will definitely be the byproduct of having faith. Let's believe the songs that we sing. Let's believe what we preach on a daily basis. Listen, point number five is this. God can and will use you. Abraham was a liar. Noah was an alcoholic. Job doubted God several times. Samson was promiscuous. Moses had anxiety. David was a bit of a player and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Peter denied he knew Jesus three times and was embarrassed to know him. Rahab was a prostitute. The disciples were often weak and jealous of one another and even fell asleep when Jesus needed them most. Look at the boasts that these guys did. The Samaritan woman couldn't keep her husband and God used her. God even used a donkey. So as I bring this into close, I think we've learned a lot about double-mindedness today and the impact that it can have on our lives. But let's remember, we are all only human, you know, in our strength, we'll always get it wrong, but in his strength, we'll always get it right. And he'll continue to use all the situations in our life to build our character. But God wants us to be full of faith, single-minded, And he wants us to believe his truth. I wonder if we can all stand to our feet before we sing our last song. And I want to pray over us. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you love us enough to bring a challenging word like this about being double-minded. I speak the name of Jesus over every single person in this church, Father God. I speak single-mindedness. I speak in the area that you're struggling right now that you would be able to make a decision. Some of you have been holding back on making that decision for years. But God's saying today that he wants you to be single-minded. He wants you to believe his word and he wants you to make a decision. Whatever that may be. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you need to make a decision to give your life back to Jesus. Maybe you're what the Bible calls a prodigal. Maybe you've been in church years ago and you're wanting to revisit it. God's saying you need to make that decision today. If you're new in the room, if you're new online and you're wanting to come to know the name of Jesus and you're wanting to to journey every single day with the Lord Jesus Christ that I've been talking about today, then God is saying specifically throughout this whole preach that the middle of it was he wants you to make a decision. He wants you to be single-minded and not double-minded and unstable in all your ways. He wants you to be single-minded, putting your foundations in him solid, rock solid. So I speak the name of Jesus over every single person in this church this morning, including myself, that you would help us, Lord, become more spiritually mature, become single-minded, 
and become madly in love with you.